Sophie Lancaster murdered for the way she looked. They say her image is everything, and Sophie and her partner it meant the difference between life and death. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ship Detectives podcast. We're all back, and in today's episode, we are talking about the feral murder and brutal attack of Sophie Lancaster and Robert Maltby. Trigger warning, today's case covers physical assault bullying, murder and substance misuse. If you aren't in the right mind frame to listen to these topics right now, we totally get it and we hope to see you in another episode. Please take care of yourself and your own mental health with love from the ship detectives. Thank you, thanks. Sophie Lancaster was a creative and artistic young woman with her own unique alternative style. Born in November 1986, she was 20 years old when she lost her life on August 24, 2007. The way her light was taken from this world, in some ways, is a testament to her bravery, courage and caring nature. But this is something that we will discuss in more depth later. Sophie had attended Haslingdon High School but was on a gap year with plans to attend Accrington and Rosedale College for an English degree. Her favourite bands were My Chemical Romance, Slipknot and Corn. Sophie was an instantly recognisable woman in backup, with her multiple facial piercings and multicoloured dreadlocks. She'd been vegetarian from the age of six and used to advocate to her family on issues such as world poverty and was a ferocious reader. She was the sort of woman who didn't like to be pigeonholed, though the media have labelled her as a goth. In reality, she was her own individual person with her own unique style, and in our opinion, that is how she should be remembered. Sylvia, Sophie's mum, described her as being a bright, creative and intelligent young woman. Her friend, Jonathan, remarked how, similar to most people her age, Sophie had a computer and games console, but she also had two large bookshelves stacked full of books that she had read cover to cover. A partner. Whenever this case comes up in conversation, one thing is frequently overlooked, and that is Robert Maltby. Rob was a former pupil at Backup and Rawtonstall Grammar School. He had gone on to study art in Manchester. They were described by the family as both being intelligent, sensitive kids. They're not the sort of people to get in trouble, but they have had problems in the past because they had to stand up. They because they stood out. They would describe their family as both being intelligent, sensitive kids. They're not the sort of people to get in trouble. They've had problems in the past because of they stood out. The injuries he sustained in the attack also left him in a coma and caused him to lose his memories of the attack and the hours that led to it. After six months together, Robert and Sophie were said to have been discussing marriages and now his last few memories with Sophie have been stolen away from him as well as losing any potential future that they might have had. The perpetrators. There were five perpetrators in this attack. They were all aged between 15 and 17 years old. According to Lancaster Police, there were potentially 15 witnesses. This is because the park is a regular hangout spot. Originally, perpetrators were charged with grievous bodily harm with intent. After Sophie's death, they were charged with murder 
Of the five perpetrators, only two had been formally charged with murder, and those are the two we will focus on. Due to the age of them at the time, Sophie's murder and Robert's attack, there isn't background information available on these two. However, they had been found guilty of a similar attack in the same park. They were given, given a community service, but on a quick Google search, they had served their time very differently. Six years after her murder, after being diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic and being transferred from the Young Offender Institute to a secure unit in Lancashire, Brendan Harris became very angry over the way a member of staff looked at him. He threatened to kill a member of staff and punched another in the face, breaking the nose. For this, he was sentenced to serve an additional four months after his life sentence. There is often a lot of misunderstanding surrounding schizophrenia and so we thought people would provide some context surrounding this particular mental health condition. Take it away, Turtle. Schizophrenia gets a pretty bad reputation as often it is diagnosed among serial killers such as the Son of Sam killer. The most recent publication of the Diagnostic Statistic Manual is the DSM-5-TR, which has placed schizophrenia as a spectrum and the label paranoid schizophrenia has actually been removed. However, paranoia may still be a behaviour that is demonstrated. Now referred to as just schizophrenia, the assessment takes place over a one-month period of time the main focus of the assessment is to assess how affected a person is by things such as delusions, hallucinations, disorganised speech, meaning derailment or incoherence, disorganised or catatonic behaviour, negative symptoms, meaning diminished emotional expression, etc. There also needs to be an amount of historic evidence of the impact on someone's life in one or more major areas this has been continuous for at least six months, with at least one month of focused area symptom display. And it needs to not be able to be attributed to something else, such as bipolar disorder or substance abuse. In the cases where a diagnosis of autistic spectrum disorder or other similar communication disorders, a schizophrenia diagnosis will only be made if severe and prominent delusions are present. Despite its reputation for violence, when treated well and with proper support, there is no reason why those with it can't have regular normal lives as no threat to society. As always with these conditions, they are potentially serious, and if you feel you are struggling, please seek aid by going to your doctor. Ryan Herbert, on the other hand, is said to have reflected on his offending, made significant progress, reflected and shown remorse. He has developed insight and increased maturity. A document stated that initially his behaviour struggled, but after moving prisons in November of 2020, he improved his education to a degree level and fully engaged with resettlement activities. The attack. At an undetermined point before the attack, Herbert is said to have bragged that he had consensually taken a girl's virginity in the park and how he liked how it made her bleed. Harris is also reported to have been engaging in consensual sex with a 16-year-old girl. Important note, in the UK, 
This is the age of consent, although not considered adults until 18. On August 10th, 2007, Sophie and Rob had been at a friend's house, Jonathan Smithhurst, who lived with his father on the outskirts of Backup. They had been there since 9pm. Rob and Jonathan enjoyed a few drinks, a chat, and then watched television while Sophie and Jonathan's dad were having an intellectual conversation. Though they had been drinking, Jonathan was quite adamant that they were not drunk in every single interview conducted with him, and we think this may be to avoid victim blaming. As well as that, Jonathan went to bed not long after the couple left because he had work in the morning, so it wasn't a heavy drinking session, it was more of a light sort of social casual drink. They said their goodbyes, they didn't just head straight home. On their way back to the flat, the couple went to a 24-hour shop and an off-license at a petrol station. Aside from a few pubs and takeaways, it was the only place still open. Sophie and Rob stopped and started chatting to some youngsters on their way home. They handed out some cigarettes they had just bought while they talked. Sophie was well known for her friendliness and the sociable pair of her, what would, would later be described in court, a friendly and good-natured interaction. The youths they talked to were fascinated by the couple's golf styling, style clothing, individual hairstyles and so on. A witness stated they were being quite friendly and were trying to talk to us, offering us cigarettes. They got up and started walking in the direction of Stubby Lee Park. It was unclear why the couple decided to walk through the historic park at such a late hour. According to Jonathan, it was not unusual for the couple to walk late at night because they enjoyed that time of day. Others had struggled to explain why they entered the park. Several of the lads at the skate park had met up earlier at the fenced-in ball games area known as The Cage, behind the Rose and Bowl pub in the nearby village of Staxteeds. Some had consumed a cocktail of lager, cider and snaps. Police reported later that a bottle of Lambrini was found with fingerprints that were traced to Ryan Herbert, who eventually admitted Sophie's murder. Although, when later arrested, there was no evidence of drugs, police said Ryan Herbert and Brandon Harris were known to regularly smoke cannabis. During the early hours of the 11th of August 2007, Sophie and her partner Robert Maltby were walking home when Robert started being attacked by a group of teenagers. Sophie immediately ran to his aid to support his head, where she too was attacked. Both received repeated kicks to the head and were left unconscious. While thankfully Robert was eventually able to emerge from his coma, Sophie sadly never did. She succumbed to her injuries on August 24, 2007. Reportedly, one witness called for emergency services saying we need we need an ambulance at Backup Park. This mosher has been just been banged up because he's a mosher. According to the Guardian, after the attack, the killers allegedly bragged about the attack to friends by telling them they had done something good and claiming there's two moshers nearly dead up in the skate park. You wanna see them, they're a right mess. In an interview, Sophie's mum stated that she was told when they were admitted that they were so swollen they couldn't tell who was the male and who was the female. 
because the swelling was just that bad. When she saw her daughter, she had very clear trainer marks up the side of her face and star-shaped indentation, which was later found to be from the end of shoelaces. She described Sophie's ears as looking massive from all of the pus and inflammation. But the closeness of this quaint town was shattered back on the 11th of August 2007 when a 999 call was made in the early hours of Saturday morning by a young girl pleading for an ambulance. The police first got the call about 1.22am on the morning of the um, 11th of August 2007, which was the early hours of the Saturday morning, to say that they'd responded to a call that two individuals had been assaulted within Stubbylee Park, which was in Baycup, Lancashire, and that they're in a serious condition. Stubbylee Park is just over a mile from Baycup Town Centre, and paramedics headed straight there to see if anyone needed help. When the paramedics arrived at the scene, it was extremely dark. There was very limited lighting from some pathways nearby, and they had two casualties on the floor, unconscious, uh, some making groaning noises. Um, it would have been very difficult to, to apply some first aid because it was so dark. The investigation, the officer in charge of the inquiry was Detective Inspector Dean Holden. Not long after the attack, he is quoted as saying, we believe the victims were assaulted by a large group of people. We've got a dedicated inquiring team looking into this, and we have a number of witnesses, but we still need people to come forward. It would later transpire that the police had not expected the injuries suffered by the couple to be life-threatening. They had in fact expected the couple to regain consciousness and give statements. Even so, police already had arrested five teenagers from the backup area. It would only be two days after the attack on the 13th of August that they would make their first appearance in court, charged with two counts of grievous bodily harm with intent. Court. On September 7, 2007, all five attackers appeared before Burnley Magistrates Court, charged with murdering Sophie Lancaster. October 18, 2007, they appeared in Burnley for a committal hearing to send them for trial at Preston Crown Court. November 6, 2007, Sophie Lancaster is buried at Whitworth Cemetery, Rosendale. December 14, 2007, the defendants made their first appearance at Preston Crown Court for a plea in direction hearing. January 22, 2008, all five make a further court appearance at Preston Crown Court. Peter, what's been happening in court this morning? Well, the court heard that this 15-year-old defendant, along with four other teenagers, have already admitted causing grievous bodily harm to Robert Maltby, Sophie Lancaster's boyfriend, in this attack in uh, the Bake-Up Stubbly Park in, on August 11th last year. Now, the prosecution says that that attack on Robert Maltby was savage and merciless and that the gang acted like a pack of wild animals and that they singled out Robert and Sophie simply because of the way they looked and dressed, not because of anything they'd done. They classed them as gosh and mo gosh as goths and moshers. Now the prosecution says that while five people have admitted attacking Robert Mulvey, two of them then turned their attention to Sophie, the 15-year-old defendant who denies her murder here today, and another teenager who has already admitted killing her. And I understand um, a statement's been read out from Robert Mulvey. 
Yes, we've heard that Robert Maltby uh, cannot remember anything about the attack at all, but he has said that uh, Sophie and he had been targeted before in the past because of the way they looked and dressed. He said that he didn't class him and Sophie as goths, they were just individuals, they had an individual style, they didn't have a name for it, but he said that they'd almost expected that at different times they would come under attack because of the way they looked. Now the 15-year-old has denied murder and the trial is continuing. And what was actually said about the attack on Sophie? Well, the prosecution says that Sophie was on her knees at the time that she was attacked by two youths, that she was calling out for help and crying out to try and stop people attacking her boyfriend. She came under a sustained and vicious attack. She was punched, kicked and stamped on. We heard one statement read out that was uh, given by a witness in the park. It said, it looked like they were running over and just like kicking her in the head and jumping up and down on their head or something. They were kicking her all over her head. Now, we've also heard that ambulance men who arrived at the scene couldn't actually tell the sex initially of the casualties because their injuries were so bad. Robert pulled through. Sophie died 14 days later after the attack. Thanks, Peter. March 10th, 2008. Herbert pleads guilty to murder, and along with Harris, Mallet, and the Hulme brothers, he pleads guilty to grievous bodily harm with intent on Rob. No evidence is offered on the murder charge against the Hulme brothers and Mallet, and the judge rules that the case against them is not going to be pursued. A trial on the murder charge is agreed for Harris, as he pled not guilty. March 11, 2008. A jury of nine men and three women is sworn in. March 12, 2008. Harris's murder trial begins at Preston Crown Court. March 27, 2008, Harris's trial concludes and the jury is sent out. After two hours and 40 minutes, they return a unanimous guilty verdict. Of the five, two of them received life sentences for murder, though there was a possibility for parole. We will be covering that in the aftermath section. While the other three, who had been involved, received around four years and four months, five years and ten months for causing grievous bodily harm. It was Harris and Herbert that received the double life sentences for murdering Sophie and inflicted grievous bodily harm on Rob. Not that Herbert would serve his initial sentence because he was released in March 2022, 15 years after he brutally and mercilessly stamped out Sophie's beautiful life. Joseph and Danny Holm were sentenced to be detained for public protection and had to serve a minimum of five years and ten months for their part of Rob's attack. Mallet was detained for public protection and had to serve a minimum of four years and four months. On the day, the life support machines that had been keeping Sophie Lancaster alive were switched off. A post-mortem was conducted. Home office pathologist Dr Charles Wilson described widespread hypoxic ischemic changes in Sophie's brain. Hypoxia is in reference to an inadequate supply of oxygen, with hypo being a prefix meaning low, and oxia being a suffix meaning oxygen levels. Ischemic is an inadequate supply with isk being a prefix meaning suppression or deficiency, and emic being a suffix denoting a specified biochemical condition of the blood. Thanks, okay. 
the ischemic changes were a result of reduction of the blood flow to her brain while she was in hospital. The hypoxic damage was due to the inadequate breathing while she was unconscious at the scene of the insult when the inexperienced teens were trying to perform first aid. The brain was examined by a neuropathologist and showed widespread damage to the nerve fibres in the brain. The neuropathologist described a blunt force head injury resulting in her death. Sophie had suffered 17 different injuries in the park on the day of the attack. These injuries included a head wound where her scalp was split open. She had blackened eyes, substantial swelling to the right side of her face, and a 4.5 centimetre bruise to the uh, and a 4.5 centimetre bruise to her temple that extended into her hair. There was bruising around Sophie's trademark pierced plug in her right ear, and she had sustained self-defensive injuries to her tattooed forearm. Several of the bruises had a distinctive linear pattern, which suggested they had been caused by footwear. The bleeding from her ears indicated she had been kicked in the head. She had a laceration on the left-hand side of her head, which medics said were typical of a heavy impact, probably from the blow of a shoed foot. Not only this, but the bruising on her forearms was consistent with defensive-type injuries. Dr Carter testified Sophie had very extensive facial bruising when injuries taken as a whole, particularly those on her head. They are diagnostic of a sustained assault. They are consistent with repeated punches, kicks and the possible use of a blunt instrument. There is a suggestion of one or more stamping injuries. The bruising and grazing behind Sophie's left ear strongly suggests she was kicked in the head while lying on the ground. The post-mortem test concluded that Sophie had died from head injuries that were consistent with a sustained assault with repeated punches, kicks and stamping. It was also Dr Carter who carried out an examination on Sophie's boyfriend, Robert Maltby, at Rochdale Hospital. He had 14 separate injuries to his head and neck, 7 to his arms and 1 to his leg. On October the 7th, 2008, all five appealed their sentences at the Court of Appeal in London. On October the 29th, 2008, Appeal Court reduces Herbert's sentence by nine months, but the three judges refused the appeals by the other four. In August 2016, Herbert appeals again to have the sentence cut, with lawyers claiming he has made unexpected and substantial progress while in prison. This again was rejected by the judge. In January 2020, Harris appeals his sentence, but a judge rejects it, saying he has not made enough progress to warrant a reduction in the tariff. February 2020, a further appeal by Herbert is upheld with a judge who accepts he has made exceptional progress, and in this time his sentence was reduced by a year to 14 years and six months. She was a woman who celebrated individualism, but at 20 years old, Sophie Lancaster was murdered because of it. Killed by Ryan Herbert, who was sentenced to a minimum of 16 years, a term which he appealed, and one that was reduced to 14 and a half in 2020. Now to be freed for serving his time and showing good behaviour, something Sophie's mother says she can't understand. It makes you feel as though you're not being listened to, your voice is not heard. And at the end of the day, that should have been a resource voice. When that sentence was laid down, 
you go away thinking that justice has been done. How do you feel that some of the reasons that he's being released are about remorse and good behaviour and, and seeing an improvement and a reform within prison? You know, it says in the parole report that he's shown remorse. Well, who's shown remorse to? You know? It doesn't matter how much remorse he shows, it's not going to alter the fact. On the day she died, Sophie had been with her boyfriend who was attacked first. While Sophie cradled him, she too was beaten, stamped and kicked to death. In her memory, a foundation was set up against violence and intolerance, which inspired a storyline in Coronation Street, aiming to share the same message. It's a new generation of young people that don't remember or don't know the story, uh, but they'll remember Molly from Collie. From Curry. And never forget Sophie, murdered simply for how she looked while protecting someone she loved. Sangeet Talal, ITV News. Aftermath. The community that Sophie came from was outraged and devastated. But not only Sophie, but her partner and their families as well. Sophie is being commemorated with a foundation that makes frequent and regular returns to festivals such as Download Festival and Bloodstock Festival. Additionally, Bloodstock have a stage named after her and an event that takes place in various cities called Metal to the Masses, where local bands compete for a chance to have a slot on Sophie's stage. In 2015, a band called Delane were offered a main stage slot at Bloodstock and turned it down, opting for the Sophie Lancaster stage, where they played their single from the charity album. Her story has also been covered in TV shows over recent years, with a storyline in Coronation Street featuring two characters, Nina and Seb, that took inspiration from this case, and the BBC having a doc drama entitled Murdered for Being Different. There is also a stage performance entitled Black Roses, which is about the case. At one point, there was a makeup collaboration with a brand called Alama Squash whose message was about embracing difference. There was also a charity album featured by the name Sophie that had tracks from bands such as Cradle of Filth. There was also a book released about her entitled Weirdo, Mosha Freak, The Murder of Sophie Lancaster. Sophie's family has also spoken out about controversial comments made in an episode of Loose Women, where a family had made their home gothic and Katie Piper was heard gasping describing it as satanic and not for her. Sophie's family spoke out stating that the first stop in tackling hatred is education and a cease of judgment. It's fine to say that something isn't for you but that is where it should stop. Also a turtle side note. For those who don't know, Katie Piper has been the victim of an acid attack and I'm sure that she has had many internet trolls attacking her for her image and her scars. It's something that means that she should know the harmful impact of words and the damage that toxic stereotyping can do. We don't encourage or condone any hatred or discrimination and definitely not any bullying. So to that end, you know, Katie's already had her fallout from from it and from those comments, so let's just leave her alone.
Now moving on to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The charity, the Sophie Lancaster Foundation, the Sophie part is actually broken down into each letter individually to mean stamp out prejudice, hatred and intolerance everywhere. It was created by Sophie's mum Sylvia after she'd witnessed firsthand the abuse and prejudice that her daughter experienced just because of how she was dressed. Sylvia came to a decision during the long arduous hours at the hospital that she and Sophie should go to schools and educate young people on expressing themselves and it being okay to be who you are. Sadly, Sophie's injuries were too much for her and she passed before Sylvia could make this decision a reality. Determined to do right by her daughter and ensure that this never happened again, Sylvia founded the Sophie Lancaster Foundation using her daughter's name to spread a clear message. Sadly, Sylvia's sudden and unexpected passing was announced in April 2022. She worked tirelessly for 15 years to combat to combat. She had worked tirelessly for 15 years to combat intolerance, and in doing so, she changed the hate crime landscape forever. And I would like to also add a quick note that even though Sophie did succumb to her injuries and was never able to physically go into schools with Sylvia to educate and change society in regards to hate and hate crimes, I'm pretty sure that Sophie was there in spirit with Sylvia every step of the way. Oh, for sure, definitely. Sylvia has always maintained that any mind she could change from prejudice was a victory in her eyes, citing stories from other alternative goth emo folks about hate that they had experienced and told her about. Merchandise that the Foundation has goes all the way from wristbands to shirts that read slogans like Weirdo Mosha Freak and If Only They'd Stopped at Name Calling. The parole. Ryan Herbert was released by a parole board on licence in March 2022. There was a petition that was to affect the progress. It's all well and good, but there were only two people who were brutally attacked. One of them murdered. He should serve a minimum sentence. One of the statements to accompany the signature read, My heart went out to Sylvia. No parent should have to bury their child but no parent should have to see their monster responsible for their child and losing their life set free. When reacting to the news, Sylvia said, Once again, we have a justice system that fails to deliver justice. The original sentence was delivered to reflect the level of violence of the feral attack my daughter and Robert were subjected to. This came after he had his minimum tariff reduced in February of 2020 from 18 years to 14 years. Local residents in the park said the park is often a spot chosen by drunken and violent yobs, guilty of vandalism and underage drinking. Previously, we had asked for measures to be taken about the area, and now that this tragedy has occurred, we are telling. Sadly though, Rosendale Borough Council responded by merely improving the security cameras in the area, but claimed that park ranges would be too expensive our thoughts and opinions. As someone who is alternative myself, this case hits very close to home. 
I'm personally very angry that Ryan hasn't served the minimum sentence. And for me personally, I'm really concerned about what kind of message this sends and how it will have affected the mission that Sylvia and others had to stamp out hatred and prejudice. Irrespective of how well anyone is doing, the minimum sentence is there for a reason and it normally reflects the severity of the crime. That shouldn't change just because they've booked up their ideas, especially when this was actually his second attack. I was 11 at the time of this attack and reflecting now, this could have been why my own dad pushed back so hard on my alternative style and my alternative sense of self. I agree with you entirely, Turtle. Um, being alternative as well, and I'm pretty sure you've also experienced this, the hate and prejudice towards those with alternative and unique styles still continues to this day. The fact that he got off so easily in the end sends the message that if you behave in prison, you'll be let off lightly. So it doesn't really matter what violent offence you committed to get there. But at the same time, I do understand that the goal is to rehabilitate and reintegrate into society. So we can only hope that he has actually been rehabilitated. I would also like to note that I love Sophie's style and the fact that she walked with such confidence. I do remember um, seeing this case in the news and I absolutely adored her style, but I also think looking back that what happened to Sophie is why I held back so much of my style. So I was still alternative, but it wasn't like massively in your face, standing out sort of alternative, if that makes sense. Um, it's got more standoutish as I've gotten older and more confident, but I remember back then like my style massively honed down. I honestly do believe though that she was a shining light that was stolen from this world far too soon. Her memory continues to bring goodness to this world through education, which I think is absolutely amazing. And the work her mother put in to battle hatred and prejudice is phenomenal. It truly is a testament to Sylvia's strength and determination and a testament to the light that Sophie brought to this world. And I do believe that Sophie was with her in spirit for every talk every interview that everything that sylvia did i believe sophie was there encouraging her during spirit and that now they're together i did actually i've never actually experienced um like a hate or um like abuse for how i looked uh, the worst i had was a bit of name calling but what I did have was absolute creeps on the internet being like, oh my God, you're a goth chick. And then trying to, you know, get with me because I am goth. Yeah, because that is all you are is goth. goth. <laughs> it's ridiculous how some people think. This case brought tears to my eyes and a deep, empty feeling in my stomach. My heart goes out to Sophie's family and her partner who lives on. And the post-traumatic trauma he has to live with. It's shocking how brutal this unprovoked attack was and how young the perpetrators were and it worries me about how crazy this world is becoming. It's just the fact that he's living with what he's kind of experienced, yeah, the fact that he's lost his partner. Um, he's got memory, but just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially with the post 
post-traumatic trauma, like, I didn't actually consider that until you mentioned it just then. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I was always going to be like... Oh, really? Because we've had some sort of psychological... Right, yeah, no. Yeah, it's always going to be like the what if. I mean... And it was in such a traumatic event as well, the way he did lose his partner. Like... He can't remember it, but he knows what happened, and that must be absolutely awful for him. Um, I don't even think he got to say goodbye. I think, I'm pretty sure I did read that he did get to say goodbye, if I remember rightly. But, um... Oh, that's alright. He's been stripped of his memories of that, those last few hours. He knows what happened to her. I'm pretty sure he did see her in hospital before the machines were turned off, if I remember rightly. Um, but it must have been absolutely horrendous, especially this, the absolute state they left her in. As we've described earlier. Also, their friend Jonathan must feel guilty as anything. You know, what if I hadn't invited them over that night and all of that lot? So he's got to be feeling a bit of something. Oh yeah, definitely. I know that if that had happened to one of my friends, I'd I'd be wishing that I'd never I'd like stayed up later or I'd had them stay over that night. The amount of guilt he must carry must be awful for him. Like even though um, Tech Wizard drives my friends home now, I still tell them to text me and tell me they're home safe. And I think that is entirely down to this case. Quite possibly. I know anyone comes to visit my house, I always ask them to message me to tell me that they're home safe. So, thank you everyone for joining us this week. We would like to hear your thoughts and opinions. Please share and give us a like as any interaction helps boost us in the algorithm. If you're not already, please follow our social medias. We are most active on TikTok, Instagram and Facebook, but we do have other accounts. Next week, we'll be discussing the tragic case of Kelly Turner. Bye!